Hello everybody, everyone here on this cold and windy night. Uh, hello everyone on the live stream as well. It's great to be with you all. If you don't know me, my name is Luke. I have the great privilege and responsibility of preaching tonight from God's Word. So it's only appropriate that we pray as we begin. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that we've just read. As I speak now, please give me wisdom and love and accuracy. And by your spirit, please open all our ears, minds and hearts to be changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Forgiveness. It is such a big topic. What could you... So many things to do with forgiveness uh, through Christ. Now, did you notice that the words in this passage that we just read are slightly different to what we usually say in the Lord's Prayer? See, in verse 12, Jesus says to forgive us our debts, not sins, as we usually pray. Jesus has used this word deliberately, not transgressions or iniquities, not law-breaking or hardness of heart, He's used the word debt. Now, when I think of debt, a few images pop into my mind. Firstly, credit card debt. Did you know that the amount that Australians owed due to credit card debt in 2017 was roughly $45 billion? That is astonishing. Uh, the word debt also makes debt is an outstanding payment. It means that something is owed. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of sin, I don't usually think about it as something I owe. Yet that's how Jesus teaches us to pray. And that's how it's described here. When we face God, there's an I-O-U sign on our hearts. But why do we owe God anything? How is our sin regarded as debt? Well, all people are in debt to God because he created us. Have a look at Revelation 4, verse 11. It says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. See, the earth and everything in it is God's. And this means that God owns us. And we owe him simply what he deserves as our creator glory and honour and power and worship and praise. At the most basic level, we are the creation and he is the creator. And so we owe recognition and glory and submission to him. And yet, ever since Adam rejected God's sovereign rule as creator in the garden, all people for all time have done the same. We all fail to give God the recognition and honour that we should as his creation. This is what sin is, rejecting God and putting ourselves first. We're all guilty and God won't stand for it. God will one day judge all people for their rebellion and failure to give him what he rightfully deserves. And so, all people are in spiritual debt to God. And we really rack this debt up. And we can't pay this debt back by ourselves or by our good works either. Our debt is unnegotiable and immovable by our own efforts. 
We're in the red, but our pockets are empty. We need God's forgiveness. And thankfully, this is what God provides to us through Jesus. Look at the words of Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 9. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? This is incredible news. Despite our rejection of God as creator and ruler, despite our spiritual debt that we can never pay back, we can be forgiven. This means that when we ask for God to forgive us our debts, we can be assured because of the blood of Jesus, God will do it. God does not forgive and forget, as some people like to say, because God knows that we sin. And God's perfect judgment or justice means that he can't just forget it because we do deserve judgment for it. Yet when God looks at Jesus, he sees the penalty for sin paid for and he forgives us completely. Last week, we thought and prayed about our physical needs from the Father, our daily bread. But as urgent and significant as our physical needs may be, they will not trump our spiritual need to be forgiven and reconciled to God. So if you're here tonight or you're listening on the live stream and you have not put your trust in Jesus, forgiveness is freely offered to you. You will receive no greater gift. But I hear you asking, I already trust in Jesus. Why do I need to ask for forgiveness again? just like Jesus teaches us to do in the Lord's Prayer? It is a great question, and it brings us to our second point. Confessing sin is a way of life, not a one-off moment. The Lord's Prayer is a family prayer for God's children to our Father in heaven. And one of the privileges of being God's children is that Jesus' death has paid for all sins for all time past, present, and future. Our salvation isn't something we need to get topped up each week at church, or it's not something we need to worry about on our deathbed. So why then, as a saved child of God, do I need to ask for forgiveness? The answer is because we're a part of God's family. Let me explain quickly. Uh, many years ago, my family were visiting our grand... It's always a delight to visit grandparents. Nana was understandably confused. Why were we sitting there, little toddlers that we were, in gloom and sadness? So she asked, what are you guys doing? And I replied, well, we're sitting here because we flushed all your bathroom soap down the toilet. And it was the wrong thing to do. Well, thankfully, Nana forgave us, uh, and we've never flushed soap down the bathroom toilet again. Or at least I haven't, I can't speak for you, Max. Okay, jury's out still. Uh, but you see, my soap disposal actions were obviously wrong. 
I disobeyed my grandparents, and this meant that things weren't right between us. I didn't lose my status of being Nana's grandchild, but the harmony of our relationship was disrupted by our disobedience. The wrong of flushing all the soap down the toilet needed to be confessed and forgiven for right harmony to be restored in the relationship. And it's like this when we're a part of God's family. Just because we're God's children does not mean that we can ignore or tolerate sin. If anything, the offence of sin is greater when we disobey as God's children rather than as God's enemies. Our sin must be taken seriously because of the nature of the relationship that we're in. And we can look throughout the Bible. Some of the greatest displays of God's anger and judgment in, against sin is when his chosen people are the ones sinning. For example, the jarring language directed at Israel, describing them as adulterous and unfaithful in the book of Hosea. Or another example, God ensuring that an entire generation of Israelites die in the desert before entering the promised land because of their grumbling. God takes the sin of his people seriously. Now I know for me that confessing my sin is usually the part I leave out most in my prayer time. And it might be the same for you. Asking for forgiveness is painful because it forces us to face the ugliness of our sin. It's humbling because it makes us realign ourselves under God's will, not our own. Like we saw two weeks ago, praying for God's will to be done. Jesus teaches that confession and seeking forgiveness from our Heavenly Father is a way of life, not a one-off moment for His children. Now, confession shouldn't be flippant or just saying sorry and running off again. No, we all know how badly that goes down. And let's remember as well the condition of genuine repentance, actions to be like Jesus. Because we can't repent by our own strength. We need to invite God into the situation, into this particular area of our lives, and to change us by his spirit. For example... A prayer might look like this. Father, you know what I've done and that I'm guilty. Thank you for forgiving me because of Jesus. I ask you now into this part of my heart or my life and by your spirit, give me the strength to turn from sin and to follow you. And the great thing is that we don't need to wait until church time to do this. Let's be children of 24-7 confession and repentance and prayer. Confession and repentance and prayer. The blessing of God's forgiveness, grounded in his promises to his people in places like Ezekiel and Jeremiah, is a benefit of being a child in the kingdom of God. Why wouldn't you use this benefit as much as you can? One biblical scholar put it like this. The fifth request of the Lord's Prayer asks that this benefit of the kingdom, forgiveness, be given to us. It is an acknowledgement that we will continue to falter and fail and do the wrong thing as the kingdom approaches. 
and that we aren't fit to enter the kingdom of the righteous, holy God unless these sins are dealt with. So let's get into the habit of confessing and repenting the moment God's Spirit makes us aware of any sin and let's deal with it straight away. Let's be children who seek to be accountable with our brothers and sisters about our sin. Not so we can go, oh man, I identify with that, that's such a struggle, hey. No. Instead, let's go, that's so difficult. Let's confess this to God. And by God's Spirit, let's together figure out how we can live God's way. And a reminder, throughout all the confession and repentance and prayer and confession, repentance and prayer that we go through, our status as God's children is never in doubt. Jesus' blood doesn't fade and it doesn't need to be renewed. Our status as God's children by Jesus is the basis for certain confidence that when we come to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness, God will always say yes. What a blessing that is. Hopefully, you've realised just how magnificent God's forgiveness truly is. And so it's no surprise then that Jesus expects God's forgiveness for us to flow out from us to others as well. And this will be our third point. God's forgiven children forgive others. Children look like their parents. And a child can often be identified because of their parents. For example, people look at myself and my brothers and instantly see the family resemblance. But it goes deeper than just physical appearance. It's also very often our attitudes and our personalities. The way we think or react to things. And for the Christian, we have a perfect Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father commands us to model Him. And more specifically, to be shaped by the Spirit into the likeness of Jesus. Not physically, we're not physically looking more like Jesus, but spiritually. And this model overflows into our hearts, into our minds, into our words, and into our actions. And so in these verses, in Matthew 6, God's children are commanded to forgive others. Hopefully you notice the strong language. Let's have a look again at verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiving others is commanded because it's part of the Father modelling to his children. We've already seen the immeasurable depths of forgiveness that God has shown us through Jesus, even when we were his enemies. And so it's natural and expected, not optional, that God's children outflow this forgiveness to others. Did you notice the stakes in these verses? Stubborn refusal to forgive others brings into question whether you have understood and received God's forgiveness yourself. And if that sounds extreme, don't take it from me. Listen to Jesus. Hardening your heart against forgiving others is not an attribute of God's saved child. 
In fact, it marks you out as an imposter and separate from God's family. Jesus' parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, you can look at it in your own time, should run chills down our spine. Because in this parable, the servant who receives forgiveness from the master for their wrongs, but fails to forgive others, is punished. But I also recognise that awful, terrible things happen. Some of us bear the physical, mental and emotional scars of wrongs that have been committed against us that simply don't go away. I can't imagine the depths of pain that people who are victims of all kinds of abuse and suffering go through. So if you're here tonight and are one of those people, then I'm deeply sorry. God grieves with you. And forgiving others may seem like an impossibility in these situations. These verses, in verse 14 and 15, aren't bringing judgment on the person who is seeking to forgive, or making efforts to reconcile, or desperately trying in their heart to forgive wrongs done against them. Achieving forgiveness of others, in some cases, might take a lifetime. It's the heart attitude that seeks to forgive others at all costs that reflects the forgiveness that our Heavenly Father has shown us through Jesus' death. There's an enormous difference between stubborn denial to forgive others and the painful struggle to seek to forgive others. Jesus isn't judging the painful struggle. And by his spirit, he's with us every step of the way as we try to do that. But to the Christian living in hard-hearted refusal to forgive, hear Jesus' warning. If you're not seeking to forgive others, it shows that you don't understand the forgiveness and grace that God has offered us. Those who live by God's forgiveness must imitate it. And so an unforgiving Christian sadly may not be a Christian at all. Jesus calls out hypocrites at the start of this passage in Matthew 6. Beware that you're not one of them. Not to mention that not forgiving others is such a ruthless burden to bear. It just builds up and festers and sits in the back of your mind. And it is the complete reverse of the freedom and love that God offers us in Christ. So if this is you, if you're holding on to bitterness and anger and unforgiveness of others, heed Jesus' warning. Repent and invite God into the situation. Ask for his help and then do it. Whether it's the child who just simply won't listen day after day, or if it's the frustrating workmate who just gets on your nerves, if it's the friend you were once besties with, but you now resent. Or if it's the family member you now seek to avoid at all costs. Don't wait or put this off. Seek to forgive others in your heart, and then, where possible, seek reconciliation. So we've seen in the Lord's Prayer some pretty hard-hitting stuff. I've been immensely challenged by this, and you probably are too. 
but let's rejoice in the forgiveness that God freely offers us through Jesus. Let's humbly and regularly seek God's forgiveness by confession and repentance. And let's model our Heavenly Father and seek to forgive others no matter what. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your forgiveness you give us through Jesus. We're sorry for our sin, and by your Spirit, please be changing our hearts and minds and lives so that we become more like Jesus. Please help us to be forgiving others as your children, just as you've forgiven us. In Jesus' name, Amen.